Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. So, hi there. Uh, well, why am I here? That's probably the most fundamental question any of us can ever ask. As Christians, we believe the answer to that question is summed up in one word relationship. A deep personal relationship with the God who is love. But to have a relationship with someone, you must be able to communicate with them. I'm communicating with you now in my first and probably your first language of English. But to someone who doesn't speak English, they'll find it difficult to relate with me. Because relationship works best when we are both speaking the same language. Our current series is entitled Living to Love. So I wonder if you've come across the five love languages. These are the five different ways we communicate by giving and receiving love within any relationship. When someone speaks the same love language as us, we feel loved, accepted and valued in that relationship. So that relationship is likely to thrive. One of the best ways of improving relationship is to identify and speak the other person's primary love language back to them. So what are these love languages that we communicate love? Well, the first one is affirmation. This is when we speak love through words of kindness and encouragement. The second one is gifting. This is showing love through a gift. The actual value of the gift doesn't matter. It's the fact that we thought enough of the person in the first place to give the gift. That's what's really important. Next is quality time. This is giving each other our full and undivided attention. It's not just spending time together or sitting in the same room together. It's face-to-face -face contact. It's saying, I'm dropping everything and focusing on you for the time ahead. The next one is service. This is doing something willingly, which we know will please the other person. And the final one is touch. This is a physical touch in, in cases such as holding hands or giving somebody a great big hug. So the theory is that, the sa that when we're speaking the same love language as the other person, we can improve any relationship in our lives. That might be our marriages, our relationship with our children, our relationship with our work colleagues or whatever. But I'd like to focus on the most important relationship of all, our relationship with God. We love because God first loved us. So let's see how God is the first to use the five love languages in our relationship with him and as a response, how we might love him and by extension, others. So firstly, words of affirmation and encouragement. God has been speaking words of affirmation from before the world began. We see this first and foremost in the perfect relationship that exists within himself, the relationship of the Trinity. By spoken word, written word and actions, God the Father declares to the whole of his creation, 
mankind, angels, powers, principalities and demons, just how wonderful his beloved son is. At Jesus's birth, baptism and transfiguration, the father declares aloud, this is my beloved son, in him I am well pleased. And when God inspired the writing of every chapter of the Bible precisely, that it, so it shows us and points us to Jesus, it's him saying in written word, this is how wonderful my son is. The action of raising Jesus from the dead is the Father's public declaration that Jesus, his son, is the perfect, spotless, sacrificial lamb of God. Bidding Jesus to sit at his right hand until he makes all his enemies his footstool is God affirming the completeness of Jesus' victory over sin, sickness, death and Satan. God wants us to be absolutely clear. His son is utterly amazing. And God wants us to get us to know him really, really well. But God thinks we're wonderful too. God's the one person in the entire universe who is totally complete in himself. He, he doesn't need a relationship with anybody else. So when God created us in his own image for the purpose of a relationship with him, he is affirming just how much he loves us. He thinks we're worth it. And when we messed up by turning our backs on him, he still thought we're worth it. So much so that he was prepared to stop at nothing to restore our relationship with him, even if that meant dying himself in our place on the cross. Jesus' death on the cross is God yelling out his love language of affirmation to all creation. This is how much I love mankind. I'm doing this because they are worth it. But God's love language of affirmation to us doesn't even stop there. He wants us to grasp the height and the depth and the width of his love for us. So he fills the whole Bible with words of encouragement. He proclaims Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers or his sisters. He proclaims that we are the apple of his eye and that we are precious and honoured in his sight. God himself declares we are chosen, loved, precious, redeemed, forgiven, justified, sanctified, holy, set free, children of God, prince and princesses, salt of the earth, beloved of God. And so the list goes on and on and on and on and you can fill in the blanks for yourself. And just in case we still don't get how amazing he thinks we are in Christ Jesus, his son, God gives us his promises. Promise after promise after promise after promise to say this is how much I think of you. This is how much I love you. So, if God is the first to speak his love language of affirmation over us, how are we to respond? Well, we do that by speaking God's love language of affirmation back to him and then joining him in speaking it to others. And the first step of, is to accept his uh, love language of affirmation to us in the first place. It's to accept all that Jesus has won for us by dying on the cross and all that God thinks of us and all the promises that he has given us. We display our love for God by first 
accepting his love for us and all that it entails. Then we can tell him just how wonderful we think he is by getting lost in worship and wonder and praise of him. And then we can join him in encouraging others in words of affirmation. God wants us to encourage one another and to build one another up, to use kind words and cheer the heart up, to comfort one another and to spur one another on to love and good deeds and encouragement. So then, as a response to God's love language of affirmation, let's speak his love language of affirmation back to him and to those around us. So let's move on to gifting. Uh, God's love is agape love. It's a self-sacrificial love which is giving at its very heart. From before time began, God didn't want to keep his perfection to himself, but longed for us to enjoy all that he is and all that he has for us. That's why Jesus freely gave himself. That's why God freely gives us the Holy Spirit. That's why God freely gives us all the rights of being called his children, eternal life, eternal rewards, crowns of righteousness, life now in all its fullness, freedom, forgiveness, peace, rest, the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and every single promise of God that is yes and amen in Christ Jesus his Son. All these and many, many more God has freely given to us so that we could enjoy him in relationship. God has given his all so that we can enjoy all he is. And it's not just spiritual gifts that God has given us. He's freely given us absolutely everything we have. He gives us life itself. Every single heartbeat is a gift from God, so let's make the very most of it. He gives us our health, our family, our relationships, our jobs, our homes, our finances, our time. You name it, he gives it. More than you can ever think or imagine, so that we lack no good thing. So if God is the first to speak his love language of gifting over us, how do we respond? Well, we do that by speaking his love language of gifting back to him and then enjoining him in speaking it to others. And the first step in doing that is to recognise that everything we have in our lives is a free love gift from God for us to enjoy. When we give someone a gift in love, we don't want the actual gift back. What we want is the person's love back. And it's the same with God. God doesn't want, and he certainly doesn't need, any of the things he's given us. What he does want back, however, is our love for him. We love because he first loved us, and we give because he first gave to us. Our giving is in response to our love for him. We show God just how much we love him by freely offering it back to him, to use as he wishes. And at the same time, we should join with God in showing his love language of gifting to others by freely giving of our money, time, skills, gifts, whatever he asks, to those that we come across in our lives. So yes, let's speak God's love language of gifting back to him and to those around us.
Next is quality time. This is giving someone our undivided attention. It's totally focused one-on-one -on -one time with no distractions. And it's another language that God speaks fluently by making the first move. God is always longing to give us his undivided attention. Yes, that certainly includes revealing himself to us in our daily Bible study and prayer. But God loves quality time so much that he doesn't want it to restrict it to a couple of times a day. His idea would be if we were to babble with him all day, every day, having a constant conversation with him during the hustle and bustle of our everyday lives. Jesus shows us perfectly how to speak God's love language of quality time. Jesus never did anything by himself, but only what he saw the Father doing. He did spend hours, long hours of prayer, wrestling on the mountaintop alone. And he did spend hours meditating on the scriptures so that he could resist the devil and make him flee. But to do absolutely nothing in his life without the Father showing him first implies to me that Jesus was in constant 24-7 communication with his Father. He was on a permanent Skype or Facebook messenger call with his Father asking, Abba, show me what to do next in this situation. And then he listened to what the Father revealed and acted upon it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And just like with Jesus, God is constantly speaking his love language of quality time to us, 24-7, 365 days a year. He is always ringing us, just waiting for us to pick up and join us, uh, join him in the heavenly conversation on what to do and what to say next for our situation. He promises to come close to us if only we would come close to him. He promises we will know him as our God if only we will take the time to be still, if only we will take the time to spend quality time with him. So how are we to respond? Well, yes, it is by speaking God's love language of quality time back to him and then by joining him in speaking his love language of quality time to others. So firstly, like Jesus, we do need to take time for daily prayer and Bible study, even if we are tired or busy. And secondly, quality time with God is a two-way conversation. It's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. And in this dialogue, he is the one who primarily initiates the conversation and we are the ones who do the listening. If Jesus needed to see what his father wanted him to do, so do we? Thirdly, we need to aim for that 24-7 quality time with God by asking him to speak to us throughout the day, especially at our times of greatest stress and hassle. And finally, we need to join with God, showing his love language of quality time for others by showing it to others. We need to ensure those times when we give those around us our undivided attention, one-on-one -on -one without any distractions. So yes, let's speak God's love language of quality time back to him and to those around us. Let's move on to the next one, acts of service. Acts of service is willingly do things for others that we know will please them. 
Again, God takes the initiative in speaking this love language. Jesus is the epitome of servanthood and teaches himself that servanthood and humility cannot be separated. Philippians 2 tells us that Jesus, although God, took on the very nature of a servant and humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Numerous Bible passages from the Old Testament speak of the Messiah as the suffering servant, and these are extensively quoted by the New Testament writers in reference to Jesus. Jesus himself said the very reason he came down from heaven to earth was not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And it's at the cross that we see servanthood at its most profound. But just before the cross, we see Jesus perform another act of service, washing his disciples' feet. In the Old Testament, priests had to have their feet washed at the bronze laver to be purified before they could enter the temple for worship. By washing his disciples' feet, Jesus was signifying that he, the great high priest, was purifying and cleansing all who would follow him by entering the Holy of Holies himself in heaven on their behalf. He was setting his followers apart as a holy priesthood of believers for service in his body, the church. But Jesus' love language of servanthood doesn't even stop there. He continues to serve in heaven for, on our behalf for all eternity. Hebrews tells us that as a direct act of his high priestly ministry, Jesus is able to save completely all those who come to him because of, he lives and intercedes for them. At this very moment, Jesus is in heaven, saving us by continual interceding on our behalf against the accusations of Satan. In other words, our salvation is not static, but dynamic. Yes, Jesus did die for, for all of us at a particular moment in history. And yes, we were saved on a particular day when you accepted Jesus as our saviour. But we are also being saved every single day forever because Jesus is continually praying and continually interceding on our behalf before the Father. Jesus' priesthood is both perfect and indestructible, and that means our salvation is perfectly secure for all of eternity. So, how should we respond to God initiating the love language of servanthood? Well, yep, you've probably got it by now. We should speak it back to him and join him in serving others. And we do this by serving God in whatever he asks us to do. Living his teaching that true greatness comes from serving others in humility. We are called to be servants of Christ, created in Christ for good works. So we should use our freedom as an opportunity to serve one another. This could be really challenging, however. Are we prepared to be like Jesus and speak the love language of service so perfectly and so fluently as to lay down our life for our friends? That, after all, is the greatest love. But even if it doesn't come to that, are we speaking God's love language of service back to him?
and to those around us. So the final love language is physical touch. It may seem unusual to think of God, a spiritual being, touching us in a physical sense, but touch is certainly one of God's love languages. Several theophanies, or appearances of God in physical form, are recorded in the Old Testament, but they are merely a foretaste of the greatest theophany of all, Jesus himself. Jesus is God in physical form. Jesus shows us that God is not aloof or distant, but is prepared to get his hands dirty, prepared to join us shoulder to shoulder in the struggles of our humanity. Whether it was with the woman with the bleeding disorder, or comforting Mary and Martha after the death of Lazarus, or washing his disciples' feet, or having his own feet washed with the hair of a prostitute, or encouraging Thomas in his faith, or touching lepers. All these show that God is delighted to physically touch us no matter how dirty we are. Just imagine what it must have been like to be a leper, an outcast. You haven't experienced the touch of another human being in years. The law condemns you as unclean. If anyone touches you, your uncleanliness is transferred to them. You're untouchable, you're unwanted and you're unloved. And then suddenly Jesus, God in physical form, puts out his hand and touches you and makes you completely clean. In an instant, everything that prevented you from experiencing relationship is removed. All those years of shame are gone with one touch of God's hand. The curse of the law is instantly broken and suddenly you are now under grace where everything Jesus touches, no matter how unclean, becomes as clean as he is. And it's the same for us. Jesus touches our heart, our spirit, our sin, and we become clean, holy, acceptable, perfect in God's sight, just as he is. This is our relationship with God restored. This is God's love language of physical touch. So what's our response to God's love language of touch? Well, by now, you've probably realised it's that we speak this love language back and we join him in showing it to others. However, as we're only too well aware in this current virus pandemic, physical touch requires both of us to be in the same room at the same time and closer than two metres apart. So Jesus, now being in heaven, is unable to touch people in a physical sense? Well... You see, since his resurrection, Jesus' body on earth is represented by us, his church. Nowadays, if God wants to touch someone in a physical way, the only way he can do it is by using us. We are his hands and we are his feet. If we refuse to physically touch the leper, God is deprived from physically touching that leper. This is particularly relevant for us over the next few weeks as we are forced into physical isolation from each other. At the very time, many people will need that physical touch love language for comfort and assurance, we're unable to give it. So what do we do in that situation? Well, we make up for the lack of one love language by speaking the other four love languages even louder. WhatsApp, Skype or online chat allow us to stay in touch, even if they don't provide physical touch. And when we stay in touch, we're demonstrating the love languages of affirmation and quality time. 
doing the shopping for that elderly neighbour, giving food or helping those who are struggling financially, is showing the love languages of service and gifting. The isolation of the next few weeks will give us numerous opportunities to practice our love languages to a world that needs them more than ever. Let's keep practicing them now so that when this situation passes, we will be able to speak all the love language of God fluently back to him and to everyone we meet. And so then, when someone asks us, why are they here? We can reply, ah, that's God longing to begin an eternal relationship with you. And that very question of why you're here is God's chat up line. Will you take him up on it? Will you speak the love languages of God?